Hello all and welcome to episode 23 of Geeks and Games. I'm Tiger and as always I'm joined by Yoshimitsu. Hello. Uh, last episode, well if you even count it as an episode, was the reacting to the Nintendo Direct on the old that I recorded, but that one was interesting because a couple of things that I said on the last full episode ended up come happening on the Nintendo Direct. So let's do a little recap. First off, Yoshimitsu, you're going to love this. The newest um, Super Smash Bros. fighter is Kazuya from Tekken. Hmm. You don't know how you feel about that? No, because I don't really know who that is. <laughs> well, I you're... Your name comes from Tekken, so I... I, I know. Uh, my dad gave me that. I've never actually played Tekken. No. But still, it was interesting because in the trailer, he was, like, um, carrying knocked-out Nintendo characters and then just tossing them off a cliff Lord of the Rings style. There was actually this funny meme I saw based off it where it was that background, but it was Mario holding the baby penguin from Super Mario 64. Because there's this thing people have done with, like, you get the star whenever you return the baby penguin back to its mother, but then you can just yeet it off the stage with absolutely no consequence. Somebody did make a mod of it where if you do toss the baby penguin off the cliff, the mother will automatically kill you. <sighs> um, the announcement I was the most excited for was... um this game called monkey ball banana mania like if you listen to the episode i went absolutely crazy because i mentioned even in the last episode that i wanted a remaster of super monkey ball one and two on the switch the graphics look a little bit different some people have said that it has jumping in it making it not as faithful to the original but you know you could always just not jump <laughs> like if they make jump because that wasn't a part of the original Monkey Ball. The whole point was just rolling around. But I am glad they're remastering something that wasn't Banana Blitz on the Wii. And then they they showed, like, um they did a retrospective where they showed Monkey Ball 1, then 2, then Deluxe. And I was like, yeah! But then they showed a bunch of other games. And I'm like, oh, no, wait, it's just a, this must just be a new game. And this is a retrospective showing a bunch of the older games. And it also showed Super Monkey Ball, Banana Blitz, Step and Roll, um... Monkey Ball 3D, Monkey Ball Adventure. I haven't d heard of most of these, and to be frank, I think the only Monkey Ball game I played before was the the app one. I have seen a couple of videos on Monkey Ball 2, and that was why I wanted to play that game so much, because it looked so fantastic. But one interesting game they left out was Super Monkey Ball Jr. on the Game Boy Advance, which I've heard is actually really good, since it has some fun-looking 3D graphics in it. After that, they announced something of a sequel in the vein of Mario Party The Top 100 called Mario Party Superstars, where it collects 100 classic minigames from Mario Party history, along with five classic boards. But the boards are only from the Nintendo 64 games, I think. But I've also heard people say that the original Mario Party is devishly difficult, which makes it um, very fun. I've only ever played the eighth one, and I really enjoyed that one. The next game they announced was Metroid Dread, which that was a very interesting name choice because in 2006, Nintendo had announced a sequel to Metroid Fusion on the Game Boy Advance called Metroid Dread. Then it was canceled. Then it was uncanceled. Then it was recanceled. And now it's like trolling all of us by saying, um, by calling it Metroid Dread now. 
Yeah, the trailer looks very cool. I actually played a bit of Super Metroid a bit ago, and I didn't think it was that fun. <laughs> to be frank, I found it a very confusing. There are some people that love that game, and there are people that even say that it's the best game on the SNES. And if you find that fun, then by all means, you're welcome to like that. I don't. Another game they announced was Cruisin' Blast, which is a sequel to Cruisin' USA on the Nintendo 64. I've heard that was a pretty fun-looking racing game. That that one also looks nice. I might give it a try. There was um, Shin Megami Tensei 5. When I saw that, I thought it was a Persona game, but Persona is a spinoff of Shin Megami Tensei. So it, it had the same general plot. You know, there's like a different universe you can fight alongside demons but you can also like merge demons together and have them fight alongside you parents are going to love that concept um there was a new warioware game announced warioware get it together that one looks interesting because there is a game there's a mini game themed around super mario land on the game boy that looks cool I do want to try WarioWare um, Gold on the 3DS since that was the last one to come out. I did mention this in the last episode, but it came out only... It came out a year after the Switch had already come out, which was a very interesting release choice. And the next one they announced was Fatal Frame Maiden of Blackwater, which is a port of a very scary game on the Wii U, and I'm not going to play that. Another interesting game they announced was Danganronpa Decadence. And Danganronpa is a game that a lot of people enjoy, but I I think it's interesting because it's like this evil bear is like the school's principal, and there are students dying, and you have to find out who did it. Danganronpa Decadence, which is a remaster of, like, four previous games. I said this before, the Switch is like a... Um, one of the best things about it is that it has ports and remasters of many games from not just Nintendo's past, but like the past in general. Monkey Ball being a prime example of that. And the Danganronpa Decadence Collection comes with a... It's launching with... Well, it's not part of the collection, but there's another game launching alongside it, which is sort of a Mario Party-style board game with those characters. They're also remastering Advance Wars 1 and 2, and this game called Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Cam. Um, I don't think Advance Wars has really seen an entry since the Nintendo DS, so it's interesting to see this year's making a comeback, even with just a remaster and not a brand new game. And then after that, we got to see a teeny bit more news on Skyward Sword. Um, also, just like with the Mario Game & Watch, they announced a Zelda Game & Watch, which comes with the original Legend of Zelda... Zelda 2, um, I think it's called Zelda 2 Link's Adventure or something, and then Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. What's interesting about that is that Link's Awakening is already on the Switch as a remaster, but it's a fun way to play the original, and it also comes with a reskin of the Game & Watch game Vermin, where you can play as Link. The, this is the one big gripe I have with the Direct, is that they didn't do anything big for Zelda's 35th anniversary, with the exception of like Skyward Sword HD, because Mario got a new Mario Kart, Mario 3D World remastered with a new game mode, Mario 3D All Stars, which collected three Mario games from the past. Yeah, there were like Mario sneakers, 
a big event on the Mar- on the Nintendo website. A special Nintendo Switch reskin with Mario Colors. And all Link got was a Game & Watch. So, you know, that just doesn't seem fair. Like, fans have wanted for a while um, a Zelda 35th anniversary collection with Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, and Twilight Princess. And it does kind of seem unfair that they're milking Mario for all it's worth, but not giving Zelda as much, which does kind of make sense, considering Mario is Nintendo's best-selling series. But still, it would have been fun to get more. But we did get a trailer for the highly anticipated Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel, which we don't know what it's called yet. But it included gameplay for the first time. There's this interesting-looking feature where it looks like you can rewind time and you can use portals to get through walls. My sister's a really big fan of the original, and I still need to play it, but I, th- I think overall, the Nintendo Direct was a B+. You know, I felt like it deserved a little bit better on the Zelda side of things, but, you know, it was really good. I highly recommend watching it and listening to my reactions to hear me go absolutely bonkers with um, Monkey Ball Banana Mania which is probably the game I was most excited for. But anyway, Yoshimitsu, any thoughts? Not really. I mean, I haven't been able to really follow much of the Nintendo franchises just because my mom's been so against video games. So, I mean, it's kind of just news from an outside world to me that I don't understand. But, I mean, new Zelda game. It's interesting. I don't know when the last one was, but um, the original Breath of the fans who got they wanted. Yeah, the original Breath of the Wild was a Switch launch game when the and the Switch came out in 2017. But before that, the last original Zelda game was Skyward Sword on the Wii, which is also getting put on the Switch. But in the Wii, you didn't technically have an exclusive Zelda game to call its own, unless you're counting the Wind Waker and Twilight Princess HD remasters. Which were cool and would have been fun to have been put on the Switch, but sadly they weren't. But that's not the only news. So um, Battlefield 2042 got a a launch trailer, and there was this move that was featured in the trailer that showed um, a pilot hopping out of the plane and then shooting another missile with a bazooka. And apparently that was a move that came from an earlier Battlefield game, and it was popularized by this YouTuber named Rendezook or something. And the people who made Battlefield sort of put that in the game as a little tribute. And you should see Rende Zook's reaction to that trailer. He goes even more bonkers than I did with the monkey ball thing. There was one detail that I um, forgot to mention in the last episode. Like with years in gaming, something got lost in translation. So... Yoshimitsu said Oracle of Seasons Ages, which was 100% my fault, not his, but Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages were two games that were basically the same, but with some differences, which were called Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages and released on the Game Boy Color. I guess it's kind of like the Pokemon game since they had two different versions, but it's probably a little more different between the two versions than the Pokemon games are. I do want to say you did play me a clip of you reacting to Monkey Ball. And uh, I just want to say you did go bananas. (laughs) Uh, 
A lot of people thought it was going to be something related to Donkey Kong's 40th anniversary, which I am sad we didn't get because the logo for it just showed bananas. They also announced um, Life is Strange coming to the Switch. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy um, is this new game being released by Square Enix. What's interesting is how they keep the characters different looking enough from their Marvel film counterparts because it's important to acknowledge that there's more to Marvel than just the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The comics have an amazing lore to them That's I'd, I'd say is worth checking out, as with DC Comics too, but that's a... That's a whole other spiel. This is a video game podcast, not a comic book podcast. So, And Bandai Namco also had a direct, but all they announced was this game called Dark Pictures Anthology, which is a horror game. But <sighs> I guess that's about it for news. And I think it's a good time to move into our topic, which is going to be our top five podcasts of all time. Now, I'd say um, this doesn't have to just be video game podcasts um yoshimitsu when i contacted you about this you said you don't listen to many podcasts do you have a top five ready i have at least three all right so i can i can fill in the rest quite easily yeah i'll do my I listen to a lot of music podcasts but... all right well anyway starting with the top five all right so my number five is going to be this podcast called office ladies so it's hosted by Two actors who were on The Office, Angela Kinsey, who played the character of Angela Martin, and Jenna Fisher, who played the character of Pam Beasley. So a couple of years ago, they decided to do this podcast where they go through The Office and rewatch it, give stories of what it was like being there. They get um, information from other people who were on set and then sort of turned it into a special podcast. I've heard complaints out there like, um, oh, these actors are their only the only way they try to get money is from like the one big thing they're recognized for the office instead of actually trying to branch out into a new venture. But you know, I still, I still think it's a pretty interesting podcast worth watching. There are some details in it that bored me a little bit where um, they took some time sort of like drafting the transformation of the character of Kelly, who was originally like um, very shy in her like transformation into um, um the actor who played her being more like the actor who plays her mindy kaling and they're like in, in one episode they're like oh um mindy's letting her bangs down a bit more that's one uh, she's on track to becoming the full mindy and i'm like i don't care it's still a really fun podcast but then there's also this other thing where they um track the plant that's by the reception desk the Office is a it's a it's a really funny show. I wouldn't recommend it to any of our younger listeners, but anyway, my number four is going to be another Office theme podcast, but technically two Office theme podcasts, but they're so similar. I'm going to group them into one. So it's called Oral History of the Office, but then there's this other one called The Office Deep Dive, and they're both hosted by the actor who played um Kevin on the series. His name's Brian Baumgartner. So the oral history of The Office is like a combination of various interviews he did with Office cast members in like a, I think it was a six-part series. It's only on Spotify, though. And The Office Deep Dive is where he takes those interviews that he made, and they're um, just like the full interviews for one whole episode. Sometimes they're the very long ones. They got split into two. But that podcast is also interesting. Anyway, um, now that we've gotten to, like, three, Yoshimitsu, what's your number three? 
I actually I actually went back and filled in the last two. Oh, I'm very so, sorry. Start with your number five then. Uh, number five is uh, VG Embassy. It's a uh, video game music podcast. Uh, my dad introduced me to. The hosts are pretty funny, and uh, they play some nice music on that show. Uh, number four. Number four, I have to say our own podcast just because hey, I had to include us on there somewhere. Even though I do not actually listen to our own podcast, which is kind of a shameful thing to admit. Um, I'm a host. I can't not like it. <laughs> well, I'd say like the experience of recording was fun. Yeah, but it's fun. Plus, I think the episode we had with Pavlos on it was some of the was probably my favorite episode we've done so far, and we had oh, a yeah. lot of fun doing that. That was a lot of fun. We'll have to have them on at another point. Yeah, hopefully. Um, let's see. So, and what's your number three? Uh, my number three is going to be, um, it's a podcast called Hardcore Gaming 101, or uh, HG 101. Um, they... Uh, they review games at uh, listener request and rank them. And uh, like one of the subtitles, uh, not subtitles, but they're called that. And then their description is ranking all 45,000 or whatever games. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, I looked this up. It says, um, join the HG 101 gang as they rank the games you nominate in their ever-growing list. The top 47,858 games of all time. Yep. Did they so, really just count them all? Like, there's probably surely... a counter somewhere online. You could probably just look up how many video games have been released. I know, but it's even so, there are there are still games being released on like the the 3DS by indie developers each day, and quite a few of them look very bad. But, Ouch. You know. Anyways, now I'm talking but, about the yeah. 3DS library, not um hg 101's library yeah no hg 101 uh their hosts are pretty funny there is quite a bit of language so i'd uh look out for that when listening to their podcast but they are hilarious and um you can nominate games for them to rank and uh they might actually do it they've done quite a few of my favorites they've done cave story i think they've done streets of rage 4 maybe minecraft definitely also gunstar heroes both of uh, both Gunstar Heroes and Cave Story ranked within the top hundred, so I'm happy. Oh, I think I might listen to the episode they did on Rayman Legends. That's one of my favorite games ever. If I recall, I'm pretty sure that also ranked within top fifty. Nice. Um, so my number three is this podcast called Pop Culture Coffee Hour. Um, I've brought this up on the podcast a couple of times, but me and Yoshimitsu both go to an Orthodox church, and this is a Orthodox Christian podcast. So it's like um these two guys, one of them's named Christian, funny enough, and this other guy named Steve. They go through um like films, albums, books. There's this other group of two um two women. Like so it's like Christian and Steve, and then the two women, like they alternate between two um every other episode, it alternates between the two of them. And it's definitely a it's definitely an all ages podcast, but yeah, I really enjoy listening to that one. They um, Their episode on Bill and Ted Face the Music I thought was really good. They've been doing it for quite a long time now, though. Definitely recommend that one. Uh, Yoshimitsu, what's your number two? Uh, my second favorite one uh, is a podcast that sadly is no longer around. It's called uh, Video Game Jukebox. 
um, I don't know what to really say about this one. It's another video game music podcast that my dad introduced me to. Uh, the hosts are, uh, again, they're very nice people, hilarious. Uh, my dad's had numerous uh, interactions with them and several songs played. He also got myself, uh, my sister, and my brother. All uh, We all got tracks that got played by the podcast. And as a result, I ended up being entered into a raffle. And that is how I won uh, my version of Mother 3. It was from that podcast. Um, a lot of very cool music, some soundtracks I got uh, introduced to from that podcast. All great stuff. Uh, I would check them out. Uh, unfortunately, yes, they have stopped uh, recently because both the hosts ended up having very, very busy lives. And uh, they had to stop, which is very sad. But yeah. All right. Um, my number two is going to be this podcast called Minus Cast. I've, said, I've mentioned this podcast on the show a couple of times, but it's hosted by all the members of the YouTuber group Minus World. So technically the group the group consists of Nathaniel Bandy, Swanky Box, Tetrabit Gaming, Simple Flips, Charii5, Nico BBQ, D-Pad Gamer, SMG4, but the they're run by two guys. They're also known as Hobo Bros. I, th- I think that's basically all of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, you already mentioned Simple. All right, well, um, so Simple Flips is a speedrunner, but all the rest of them are also YouTubers. SMG4 is probably the most famous out of all of them. They're like, um, they make little animations, some of which are kind of inappropriate, so I'd be wary of that. I haven't watched them that much. But on the show, they sort of do things related to video game YouTubers and I guess just news in general. Their most recent one was talking about Dream, the Minecraft YouTuber, despite the fact that they don't really um play Minecraft. But um the Minus Cast, it's on Spotify, not Apple Podcasts, but it's also on YouTube if you want to see their faces while they podcast. Um they're also on this YouTube channel called Minus World. That's where the Minus Cast show comes from. And then they, on the a channel, they did this really amazing challenge where they sort of, um, through computer programming, they each had um, a button mapped to one of their controllers, and they tried to play um, basically four gamers, Mar- one Mario 64, one controller. So, you know, one person got the A button, the other got the B button, one got the joystick, and the other got the Z and camera control buttons. That just sounds chaotic. I know that 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 was actually a really fun series. Their content is also a little 13 plus. So I'd be careful with that one too. But anyway, before we get to our number ones, I wanted to do honorable mentions. Yoshimitsu, do you have any? Uh, Not really. There's a lot of video game music podcasts that I've uh, listened to at various times, but uh, I don't really remember too many of them at the moment. So, no, I don't really have any honorable mentions. Right, well, I do have quite a few. So, Radio Lab is a podcast, but I've only listened to one episode called Speedy Beat that talks about the Beethoven and how he used metronomes and how those metronome markings could be interpreted and, like, if they're wrong or not. That's the only episode I've listened to, but it's uh, pretty interesting. There's the Adventures in Odyssey official podcast. I mentioned it a couple of episodes ago. Um, it's a little bit, um, 
I don't want to say propaganda, but it's like comes news about the show that comes directly from Adventures in Odyssey. I haven't listened to it in a while, and it's very hard to listen to the whole thing since the podcast started in 2007, and it's going very strongly now. But they also cover news relating to the Adventures in Odyssey subscription-based service called the Adventures in Odyssey Club. So if you're not subscribed to that, you won't get as much out of it from the newer episodes. But I, I still thought a lot of the older ones that I listened to were very interesting. And they also had a feature called Ask the Producers where people could send in questions. And those questions were definitely better than any question that I could send to a podcast. Um, there's also This Week in Marvel, which is also a little bit propaganda because it comes directly from Marvel Comics. I haven't listened to it recently, but in 2018, when Marvel celebrated its 80th anniversary, they did this thing where every week they would sort of go, oh, because this is the 80th anniversary of Marvel, I'm going to do like the first week of January, for example, if for the first episode, like, oh, so for the first of the This Week in Marvel thing, so January 1st, MODOK first appeared in a comic january 8th iron man used this suit for the first time and january 7th um hawkeye's first solo comic debuted on this year so it's like different years but one week that was kind of where i got the inspiration for the years in gaming segment these um next two podcasts i actually know the people who do them but i'd say they're worth it nonetheless so there's Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. Um, originally, it was run by this rapper by the name of Royal Ruckus, a.k.a. Jamie. But um, I think at the beginning, when it is so the podcast sort of, it kind of was temporarily closed in 2019. But then in 2020, it got restarted. And alongside Jamie, the other co-host who's doing it is my dad. So um, that's why I wanted to give it on there, you know, give a shout out to my dad, a.k.a. Nomadic Vagabond. And the next one, the other one that I know somebody who does it is Just a Couple Metalheads. And it's the podcast hosted by Pavlos. And that was one of the reasons we had him on was because he knows a lot about um. Well, he has a podcast himself, so it was very fun to listen to that they don't they do mainly talk about metal so if you're not a big metal fan you won't get as much out of it but i um it's it's an, it's interesting because they don't just talk about metal they do tend to go off on funny tangents and as we said in the episode we had him on uh, pavlos does tend to do like an ozzy osborne impression that's absolutely hysterical and the last of my honorable mentions is going to be this lego themed podcast called bricks and bits I haven't listened to it in forever, but it's hosted by um, three Lego YouTubers. Um, I think it's uh, Just Too Good, MNR Productions, and Brickitect. One of the people they hosted on the podcast was Grant Davis, who designed this Lego idea set that was um, just a pop-up book. But I actually got to meet him at a convention it was before COVID happened well it wasn't a convention he was speaking at um at a library i go to and i got to take a picture of him um was making a very funny pose alongside this lego brick he said it was his favorite because the brick is a book it has his last name on it you know the names of the two people who designed it he worked along this guy named jason but you might know him better as jk brickworks on youtube 
that's about it for all the honorable mentions. Uh, sorry for blabbing for so long. <laughs> Yoshimitsu, what's your number one? Uh, my number one is a podcast called The Spawn Chunks. I, it's a Minecraft podcast. Um, I would highly recommend it. It's by one of my favorite YouTubers and uh, his friend. Uh, so Pixel Riffs and Joel Dugan. I would highly recommend checking them out. Um, but his content, uh, their content is uh, great. And uh, the podcast is uh, hilarious. They'll have guests on. They've had Exuma, Grian, Impulse, Gemini. That was pronounced Zuma. Nope, it's Exuma. And then uh, in their latest episode, they actually had King B Dogs from the um, the Mojang team. So uh, again, go check them out. Uh, their podcast is pretty good, and uh, they always have a nice little joke at the end, uh, just thrown in there as a closing. It's um, it's great. But yeah, what's your favorite? So my number one podcast of all time is called Disorder. So it's hosted by these three guys. And what they go do is they go through every Walt Disney Animation Studios film in order. And recently, when they reached the end of that, they started doing um, fan votes on their Facebook page so people could help decide what episode they would do next. But... um. It's, it is a little 13 plus. So the three hosts are this guy named Andy and um, the two other guys are named Michael and Hunter. So they've all, I think they've all worked at Disney. Um, and they have some very fun stories to share relating to each movie. And there's also this interesting running gag on the show that started in their episode on Fantasia about this animator named Wilfred Jackson. Because in the Night on Bald Mountain section on... um. Fantasia, it stars this demon named Chernabog. And apparently, to get the right motions, the animator who did Chernabog, Vladimir Titla, animated um, Wilfred Jackson posing shirtless. And then they made jokes like, oh, Wilfred Jackson must be quite the stud muffin on the Disney Studio lot. They were probably all like, you know who looks great with his shirt off? Wilfred. <laughs> you know, like dumb jokes like that. Um, but interestingly enough, Bella Lugosi originally posed for Chernabog, then he got replaced, but he was like in his 50s at the time. So after they finished the Walt Disney Animation Studios canon, they um the episodes they did were a goofy movie, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, Toy Story, and most recently The Rocketeer. I think their next one's gonna be Mary Poppins. Um, and it was also interesting because without them, I never would have seen such Disney classics as Dinosaur or Home on the Range, both of which are like probably some of the worst films Disney's ever made. You're like, like, I wouldn't have seen these terrible classics. Home on the Range is laughably bad, but... Um, if not for them, I would have been spared all this crap. Uh, but uh, Dinosaur is actually just boring. And I, I I'd say it's not worth your time, but the episode was actually pretty good. I actually was able to get my email read on an episode once, so that was fun. But, I, I mean, overall, I think it's a really good podcast. Like I said, their content is a little 13+, plus, so be wary. But that is all that we have for the um, our video game podcasts. Um. I feel like now's as good as time as any for the years in gaming. Take it away. Thank you. So this year in gaming is 2002, uh, which was kicked off in March 28th with uh, Kingdom Hearts. Uh, 
May 16th, Final Fantasy XI was released. June 2nd, that uh, Shantae was released with the Game Boy Color. Uh, July 19th, Super Mario Sunshine was released, but not in the U.S. until August 26th. August 25th, Super Monkey Ball 2 was released. September 20th, Super Mario Advance 3 was released. September 23rd, Star Fox Adventures was released. Uh, um, that means GameCube. Okay, I wasn't sure what the N was uh, uh, for the GameCube. So, um... Uh, uh, Nintendo's initials for the GameCube are GCN, which is technically GameCube Nintendo. Why is it not NGC, you're wondering? Well, that was technically already used as the initials for National Geographic Channel, and Nintendo didn't want to rip them off, so they used that instead, and it's one of the most confusing um, abbreviations I've ever seen. But okay. Uh, Star Fox Adventures wasn't released in the U.S. until four days later. October 21st, Mario Party 4 was released. November 4th, Ratchet and Clank came out. November 17th, Metroid Prime was released. And then the next day, uh, Metroid Fusion was released for the Game Boy Advance. And the day after that, Super Monkey Ball Jr. was released for the Game Boy Advance. November 21st, Pokemon Ruby, Sapphire, uh, Ruby and Sapphire was released on the Game Boy Advance, but not in the US until March 19th of the following year. December 2nd, Link to the Past, was released uh, in Four Swords. Uh, December 13th, Wind Waker was released, but not in the US until March 24th of the following year. And then December 19th, Sonic Advance 2 was released, but not in the US until March 9th of the following year. All right, so a couple of things to add on that. Um, so on September 6th, Densetsu no Stafi released, and this was the first game in a little-known Nintendo series called The Legendary Starfy. The only game in the series that came to America was, I think, the last one, and it released on the DS, but there were four Japanese ones. And on the same day as Star Fox Adventures, the PlayStation 2 classic Sly Cooper and the Thievus Raccoonus came out. It's interesting that Metroid Prime and Fusion released within one day of each other, though. That was that was fun. Uh, Link to the Past and Four Swords is actually... um. Link to the Past from the Super Nintendo, but also released alongside a special mode, which was later expanded into its own game on the GameCube. But because there's some interesting Zelda content, kind of like how we did with every Mario game, I'm going to go through with every Zelda game. But don't worry, it's not going to be literally every single one. It'll just be like the main series, along with some honorable mentions. I was going to do this a long time ago, but, you know, we were all pretty tired of the, um, the Mario one at that point, so... I feel like now is as good as time as any since this year, um, 2021, is Zelda's 35th anniversary. I mean, not if you're listening to this in the future, obviously. But And on the years in gaming, we had two Zelda games, so I thought it would be worth talking about. All right, so the first one released was The Legend of Zelda in 1986. So it's kind of a dungeon crawler, but it's really more of an action-adventure type game. This was apparently inspired by the fact that... Um, Shigeru Miyamoto had a very traditional style Japanese home with a lot of secret passages, and he thought developing that into a game would be fun. My dad is actually very into ninjas, and he's always wanted a house like that. And um, apparently there's a urban legend going around that the Disney film The Black Cauldron allegedly inspired The Legend of Zelda. That was another very odd Disney film that was covered on the Disney podcast I mentioned earlier. <laughs> 
And then in 1989, Zelda got its own Game & Watch. I don't think these games are on the special edition Zelda Game & Watch. But then there was uh, this company called Nelsonic, which we mentioned in our every Mario game made these watches that could play games, kind of like Game & Watches, but a little different since they were just on your wrist. But Legend of Zelda got one of those in 1989. And then on the Super Nintendo, there was The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past in 1991. In 1993, we got the Game Boy game, The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening. There was a Switch port release, but I think we'll get to that. And then also in 1993, we got um, a game on the Philips CDI that has inspired many a meme and many a YouTube poop due to the inclusion of a character named Morshu, who's a shopkeeper. Yay! <laughs> released on the Philips CDI in 1993, but it also introduced memes such as, my boy. <laughs> and like... Um, yeah, that game is pretty infamous in meme culture. There's actually this very amazing YouTube video called More Shoes Paradise, where it's Gangsta's Paradise, but More Shoes sings it. It's fantastic. It is. And then also that year, there was a game with Zelda as the main character. This was the very first Legend of Zelda game with Zelda as the main playable character called um, The Wand of Gamelon. Which is kind of counterintuitive. It's called Legend of Zelda, so you'd think... No, it's called Zelda, The Wand of Gamelon, but I think it's called Legend... No, 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 the series, the the franchise is called Legend of Zelda. That's true. So then why is Link... Link is out there kicking butt and saving Zelda's butt and gets no credit. I wouldn't it's say named after a kidnapped princess. And yet some, well, people have been so mad because Zelda wasn't a playable character in Breath of the Wild. And when asked why Nintendo said, oh, well, that's not, that's because it's not how the story goes. But, you know, you could, they could just switch the plot around if, if they wanted to. Hopefully Zelda will be a playable character in Breath of the Wild 2 when it eventually comes out. And then there was another CDI game called Zelda's Adventure. There was another Mario game released on the CDI called Hotel Mario, which is also inspired a lot of memes <laughs> and general craziness. Um, the next main one is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which released on the Nintendo 64 in 1998. I think Metacritic cites it as like the best video game ever, period. It has a score of 99 because they didn't want to give it 100% apparently. Link's Awakening got a DX port on the Game Boy Color. I want to say 99? Between 1998 and 2000, because I didn't mark this down clearly when I wrote the writ list. Um, in 2000, we got The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, which has an interesting time counter, and you have to fight off the moon who wants to smash its face into the earth. Actually, the music track for that is very scary. And I had a plan for when we got to October to do our like top 10 scariest video game music tracks. I thought that would be a fun thing. I would. Um, and then the next year, as I discussed earlier in the episode, The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons released. There was going to be a third game planned in the series, but it was cut. And then the next year in 2002, A Link to the Past got a deluxe port for the Game Boy Advance with four swords, like a multiplayer mode being included which inspired a game called Four Swords Adventure on the GameCube, which released in 2004. And then there was The Legend of Zelda Master Quest, which was like kind of an expansion to the Ocarina of Time, but it was like a pre-order bonus for The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker, also released in 2002. 
And then that brings us to The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker, which was a very interesting which is a very interesting Zelda game because it involves um it's cell shaded, very cartoony, but it was not what people expected from a Zelda game, but now it's among the best beloved in the series. So I guess Nintendo showed them. Ah. And then there was a, another collection of game called The Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition, which came out in 2003. There's another collection of games called The Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition, which released in 2003. And then already men- I already mentioned Four Swords Adventures. Then there's The Legend of Zelda The Minished Cap, which released on the Game Boy Advance in 2004. And I think it's like one of the most forgotten Zelda titles, but it actually looks pretty interesting. And Tingle also, he's a spin-off character in The Legend of Zelda, got a couple of spin-off games for the Nintendo DS. One of them is called Freshly Picked Tingle's Rosy Rupee Land. There are a couple of other odd Japan exclusive games that I won't get into those. Um, the Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess released on the Wii in 2006. It was originally intended for the GameCube, but then they reworked it a bit to work on the Wii. But some people see this as a GameCube game through and through since it was originally meant for the GameCube. It's kind of a similar story to how the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild worked, but we'll get into that later. Then the Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass released on the Nintendo DS in 2007. I think Phantom Hourglass is like a direct sequel to Wind Waker. It has the exact same style. Uh, Link's Crossbow Training, which was sort of a... um a Wii game where you pointed at the screen that works like a first-person shooter came out for the Wii in 2007. Then there was a sequel to Phantom Hourglass called Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks in 2009. And then in 2011, we got the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, which is coming out on the Switch this year in 2011. This is a Zelda game that a lot of fans are split on because they're like, oh, it's hindered by motion controls, yada, 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 but... I still think it's a relatively interesting looking game. It's actually the first Zelda game chronologically because I think each Zelda game, unless those that have direct sequels, technically tell the story of a different adventurer named Link and a different princess named Zelda every time. Very interesting concept for a game. And then there's Ocarina of Time 3D, which was a 3DS um, port of The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker in... Sorry, Ocarina of Time 3D was a three, um, a 3DS port of The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Apparently, they kept a lot of the glitches from this Nintendo 64 version in that one, and it released in 2011. A Link Between Worlds released on the 3DS in 2013. It has an interesting feature where you can merge into walls. And then Wind Waker HD came out on the Wii U in 2013. A lot of people enjoy that one. I mean, the ones that own a Wii U anyway. <laughs> Not many do. But it is actually one of the only Wii U games to have the honor of having a Wii U special edition. Because it's the only special edition Wii U gamepad. Because you could either get black or white. But other than that, there was no option aside from the Wind Waker one, which had some special um, Zelda insignia on the controller. And then there was Hyrule Warriors, which is a fighting... um, I guess it's kind of like a hack and slash slash beat-em-up type game which released on the Wii U in 2014. Then there was Majora's Mask 3D, which was a 3DS port of The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. came out in 2015, just like the Arena of Time 3D. Then there was Twilight Princess HD, which released in 2016, or as some people like to call it, the um, one of the worst years Nintendo ever had because they were facing a dark age. The Wii U wasn't selling nearly as well as they had hoped. 
lot of bad games came out around that time. Thankfully, the Switch came out in 2017 to help everything. Hyrule Warriors 3D, which was a kind of a 3DS version of Hyrule Warriors, released on the 3DS in 2016. And then the Legend of Zelda series redeemed itself with the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild in 2017. It released on both the Switch and the Wii U on the same day. Apparently, there was going to be a feature for the gamepad to feature the map of Breath of the Wild, so that way that would make it at least a little bit more worth owning, but unfortunately, it didn't work that way. And then Hyrule Warriors also got a port for the Switch in 2018. It's kind of a combination of like the 3DS and Wii U versions. There's this indie game called um, Crypt of the Necrodancer featuring The Legend of Zelda with um, Cadence of Hyrule being the title. It's like um, an indie game with that's officially licensed by Nintendo with Zelda characters, and it's a sequel to the original Crypt of the Necrodancer, I think. And then there's The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening in 2019, which was the um, uh, sort of an enhanced version of the original Game Boy version. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, which is a Breath of the Wild style um, Hyrule Warriors game released on the Switch. And then there's Skyward Sword HD, which is coming next month in this year of 2021. And the final Zelda game we have news on is Breath of the Wild 2, which comes out in 2022. And that is all the Legend of Zelda games. I hope y'all weren't bored to death by that. <laughs> but, um... Anyway, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Yoshimitsu, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on LEGO Ideas as SpectreVamp with a capital S and V, as well as on Discord, uh, which isn't case sensitive. <laughs> so, uh, if you were to follow me on LEGO Ideas, I would greatly appreciate it, and any support for my projects. Uh, thank you. Where can people find you? You can find me on both Scratch and Lego Ideas. Both on Scratch and Lego Ideas is Woodstock 05. I'm working on a fun project for Scratch, which is taking very, very slowly. My Fantasia project for um, Lego Ideas was not approved, sadly, because it had Mickey Mouse in it, and that was a big licensing deal. But um, other than that, you can find us on our Discord server, Geeks and Games. So it's... um. It's just me and Yoshimitsu alongside Plague Vamp, Flame Vamp, and Pablos. I usually try to post um, a Smash Bros. figure a day. Sometimes I'm late and I kind of um, lump a few together. It's been pretty interesting so far. But um, other than that, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you hopefully next week. Bye! Bye.